1959, Warner Brothers released a film based on the novel by General Lew Wallace. The film won 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture. The film is still celebrated by film fans and is ranked number 49 in AFI's Top 100. That was Ben-Hur, and this is Godfellas. To another thrilling chariot chasing episode of Godfellas, the small group that meets online. I'm Mr. Zach. I'm Miss Hannah. And today we will be talking about that 1959 classic directed by, I almost said Cecil B. DeMille, but it wasn't. It was William Wyler. How which- dare you! <laughs> it's running away. I'm excited. I'm excited. Before we get too excited, though, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, he is an actor. He is an educator. He is a writer. He is hilarious. If you heard our episode with Michael Williams, he is. this man is also a member of ISP. I think we might have brought Joe up in that episode. And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please put your hands together unless you're driving for Mr. Joe Frost. Hey, everybody. I'm really excited to be here. This is uh, this is this is exciting for me. I've uh, you know been listening to the podcast, and it's exciting to be a part of it. Well, thank so thanks for having me. Thanks for thanks for being on. I uh, I asked a friend of the show Chris Monroe, who was on our Noah episode. I was like, how do you think we could get some of these ISP guys to to join us? And he said, you could just ask them. And uh, yeah. and I was like, I don't know, do they have the time? And he's like, Zach, they spend three hours of their Saturday reading Shakespeare on <laughs> on Zoom. I think <laughs> reading Shakespeare. For maybe a handful of people, Joe. I've been a, I've been a fan of yours since I I met you virtually back in April. I think you're you're really talented and very clever and very smart in a way that is not uh, pretentious. So I'm excited to have you on to talk about maybe I don't know maybe the most pretentious movie we've done on Godfellas. Last Temptation is up there, but I mean God's not that it's pretentious in a different Ooh. way. But <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Like I used to uh, say, this was my favorite yeah, maybe, movie to be like cause... pretentious back in the day. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Last Temptation of Christ is something that's such a such an internal processing for Scorsese to do. Right, right. You know, I I, I get that that feels a little bit pretentious because definitely it's it's hard to compare that to other movies. There's this standard; it's just kind of sitting there as its own <laughs> right thing. Uh, you know, you can't really compare it to, I think we joked before about comparing it to Spider Man Three or something, and it's not. <laughs> you can't really do that. Right. Willem Dafoe um, in both and movies. This is another. This is another movie that's like that. They don't make movies like this anymore, yeah. and uh, you know that might be okay. Yeah, uh, there's some. There's great <laughs> things that are in it, and great things that they were trying to do. Um, it's definitely a film that struggles to age well mm-hmm. uh, yeah. for for a contemporary audience to watch. But yeah, um, but but just the sheer 
scale and scope oh, yeah. of it. It is it is a, an event to watch yeah. regardless. Yeah. So kind of in that same vein, before we get talking about the movie per se, I'm curious, do you think personally that um, there's kind of this discussion that I've had about um, it was most recently about Star Wars and I was saying, does Star Wars, does Star Wars need to be for everybody? You know, cause it started as like this kind of like nerdy, like thing that kind of expanded. Now Disney owns it. So I'm sure that they want to make all the money. And there's this lens of, does it need to be for everyone? Can it just be for a specific audience? And so I'm, I'm curious, do you think that faith-based films need to be easily accessible for a wide audience? So I'm a playwright, uh, and I, I struggle with that a lot in terms of my own writing. Right. What is it that I'm trying to accomplish with writing? And I also struggle as a as a faith based writer sure. to have enough grace and mercy for the people whose answer to that question is different than mine. Sure. Um, and so that becomes it's a big struggle <laughs> in my life to just say, you know what. You're a faith-based writer who's writing something different than I am. And that's, that's fine. You, you do that. That's okay. Um, yeah, I, it, it comes down to what the, what the purpose is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, there are things that if we try to put them into a story, into a film or a play or something, and, it, and it's intended for an audience of people who don't understand and don't believe what we believe, it's just going to sound like nonsense. Sure. Um, that's just the reality of the way the world works when you start understanding it through a lens of uh, faith in, in God and in Jesus Christ. So it becomes a real challenge to try to explain to somebody else in a film mm. how looking through that lens works. Uh, and if they don't, then it'll just seem like drivel. Yeah. Wow. Um. So it's it's easy. If that's your goal, then you have to be real careful about how certain things are presented so that you can ex help explain to an audience why I view these things this way. Right. Why when something terrible happens, my first question isn't why would God let this happen? Um, and that's such a major question for so many people. It's a question for me. I I, I want to do that, but that's that's the part of me that falls away from understanding and being able to view everything through uh, through this lens of Christianity. Right. So I, I think it's a real struggle to to do that to make a Christian film that everyone's going to understand. I think uh, there are times where you can approach certain subjects very directly. And other ones, you kind of have to find a some way around the side. You have to use a metaphor. You have to use an image. The parables of Jesus, people did not understand yeah. at the time. Very clearly and very specifically, most people went away not understanding what they meant. Right. Uh, and when his friends would ask him what they meant, he would or he would say, that's why I tell them this way so that not everybody will understand. And even that's hard to understand. Why wouldn't you want to be as clear as possible? Right. Uh, but that's not the way Jesus told stories. So I, I don't feel like I need to tell stories that clearly. But when you have a very specific purpose of something that's going to be used in a worship context or in a uh, or or something that's specific for outreach, then obviously those things are going to be clearer than something else that uh, stands on its own two feet right. as a um, as a as a work of art. I I just want to say you have a such a fascinating 
tone and intellect in how you're presenting. It might be your vocabulary too, Joe, but like everything you were just saying, I was like, yeah, I was so pulled in. <laughs> but I think you're you're bringing in a great uh, point of like, we should, you know, in, in in Christian films, you know, like, or faith-based films, I should say, specifically for Ben-Hur, because I think it kind of crosses that line of, you know, what what would you categorize it as? Or for me, at least watching it. And so I think this idea of like, how did they want this story to be told in the aspect of faith or some sort of spiritual experience, yeah. um, which is something I haven't done before. Saddle up your horses. You know, I'm a big fan of the biblical epics. I love the classic movies. I love the the big scope and the pageantry. Give me all six hours of Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, please. <laughs> that's very much my my vibe. But I, I acknowledge that nice. like they're not great. But the thing that's so interesting is whenever I talk about, you know, the best biblical epic is this, people always bring up Ben-Hur. And I've always said, like, it's like barely a biblical epic <laughs> like <laughs> like and and to be fair Jesus has two great scenes in the movie but he's <laughs> but we don't see his face yeah, or hear him t- we see his wig <laughs> <Right. laughs> and that may actually be a saving grace for this movie sure sure in yeah. terms of its depiction of Christ yeah. it that doesn't rely on like an actor's portrayal right it leaves that element up to the imagination of the audience and instead, we're watching Charlton Heston just act almost more than I've ever seen anybody else act. There's so much acting happening. So, wow. so yeah. much acting. Yeah. So, wow. so fun fact. And Joe, I know that you're smarter than I am. So I'd be curious to hear if you could back me up on this. But I read that <laughs> apparently back like in the early days of films, I think like up to the the 60s your movie could only have like violence and sexual content and like you know kind of more saucy elements if it was a biblical film i think that is probably true you could get away with some more things i think it was a it's hard to say that it was more loose sure. the uh the rules because they, they there were rules they were written down and you know there's a committee of people who were in charge of you know uh keeping track of that kind of thing but i think <laughs> almost like it still happens today uh there's there's an element to which you can get away with certain things if ultimately the piece of material is biblical if it is uh if it is christian or if it's espousing a, a particular moral code or whatever there's a little bit more leeway if the film ultimately is um uh, more overtly christian um, I think that probably is definitely true back then as well. Um, this is why, you know, what, for however many years, all horror films, <laughs> you know, they really had a, an, an interesting moral character to them. Right. Because they had to still have that if they were going to get away with having as much violence, <laughs> murder and blood as they were going to have right. in the rest of the movie. Um, ultimately, the most moral character is still going to be the person who survives right. yeah that's changed over the years but if you look back at the stuff from the 60s 70s early 80s <laughs> they all have this really if you really dig into the moral character of the what the story is telling you the uh the the characters who were off doing drugs or drinking or having sex those were the people that got murdered right. earliest 
And it was the people who were chased and pure who made it through the whole thing. Huh. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So like yeah. that still had to be there if you're going to get away with having all of the blood. So I've, I, you, what you're, what you're saying here makes total sense <laughs> to me that right. uh, if it's a Christian film, then you can get away with having all of these, just do whatever you want yeah. and all of these bloody battles and whatever else. Yeah. So really quick audience, if you've not seen the movie, Ben, her, what have you been doing? You don't have four what hours. Of, of free time to, to sit down and watch. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, uh, here's obviously you have four hours. Like, don't tell me you don't have four hours to watch this thing because I know you've watched all of Game of exactly. Thrones. Exactly. Like, don't even, don't even go there about your epic. So uh, I'm actually just watching through Game of Thrones for the first time. I've never seen it, and I'm just I'm eating them up. Here's the best way I can describe the the plot of the movie Ben Hur. Have you ever seen Gladiator? It's it's the exact same movie. <laughs> Like it is, it's, it's pretty close beat. with like two or three scenes of Jesus just thrown yeah, in. Like yeah. if it, if Gladiator started with the birth of Christ, then all right, so, it would be. So what? Did, so right. So right away, listening audience, the movie starts with the birth of Christ, which I don't know if I like that the movie started that way i because like it there's a the cold open with the birth of christ and we get that amazing score the score for this movie by the way everyone is fan freaking tastic but amazing i think but then it starts with like the romans marching into jerusalem and i was like that's a better opening than like the nativity story because the nativity kind of has nothing to do with the movie what did we all think of that i forgot i forgot <laughs> That was four hours yeah. ago, man. I don't remember all you're, you're sitting here talking about the nativity. I, uh, like, I actually, I actually watched this movie with my son, who is seventeen. Okay, uh, and so I, I made him sit down Bless and watch him. it with me. Yeah, and uh, and we actually watched all the way through the uh, the opening, uh, the the score, the uh, the overture. Yeah, and he like we just sat there for a while and he was watching. He's like, "Is anything going to happen?" <laughs> We're watching an orchestra. That's what we're doing. Yeah. But we watched that whole thing, and then it went right into the the nativity story. And yeah, then you have the the, 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 the credits, and Ben comes on the tale the of the Christ. The tale of the Christ. If ultimately the point of the story, which wraps back around to crucifixion, is looking at the way the way that Judah Ben-Hur's life and the journey that it goes on is touched by and connected to the story of Jesus Christ, then that's, that makes sense to give us that cold open to me. Right. Um, It does add what? Seven more minutes to the (laughs) film. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hannah, how did you feel when you, when we opened on the nativity? Well, may I, may I tell the story? Yes. 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 So Zach and I watched this over our valentine's day weekend together we kind of split it up just because we're gonna get letters about this um no no no. well i will say like i willingly said yes right so we decided we were gonna watch the film in two breaks so we started and i knew nothing about this film and so i think what it what it does is like the only thing I, i knew was that it was a four hour biblical epic from the 1950s and i think my own pre notions of like older films films that were made in the early or, or or just the beginning of the later half of the 20th century i think that that you know my idea of that is being challenged now as i'm watching more of those films with zach however i think that um it almost tricks you 
into a different way. And maybe that's what they want, you know. But I, but now after seeing the film as a whole, I'm wondering, like, where exactly does the nativity like like what is what is the point of having? Is it just to kind of introduce that like Jesus is the Messiah for the film? Or do you think it's supposed to have also like a another sort of factor of who Jesus is as a character to Ben-Hur. Well, remember, later in the movie, we meet um, Balthazar, and he apparently just goes around stalking men in their 30s in Jerusalem and walks up to them and goes like, I came to your crib when you were a kid. Are you the Messiah? See, I forgot about that, too. <laughs> yeah, that's like the big scene where he's like, he's the character who like does the full loop and later he's at yeah. the, the crucifixion. He was at the birth and it's like, but it's like nothing. So yeah. So could it be for the relevance <laughs> like he's the character of the I would play in the movie. Like he has like three lines. None of them matter. Were yeah. they hoping that he would be more relevant in, in the, the full story of everything? Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll get back into him, but let's, so then we meet, Maybe the best actor in the movie, maybe the most interesting character, because I think Heston probably hasn't beat for acting. But we meet um, Stephen Boyd playing Masala, who is the new uh, Tribune in in Rome, and it's where he grew up. And he meets up with his childhood friend, who is a Jewish prince, Judah Ben Hur, Jewish Rome. And let me say the chemistry between these two. Wow, <laughs> like. I believe that these guys like loved each other hardcore. I was like, this is, this is something. I mean, how much do you know the stories of, of, of that chemistry and everything? I've heard rumors. Yeah. So it seems as though yes. the story that comes from uh, Gore Vidal, who was one of the rewriters on the film, uh, he is not given credit for the film. Um, he may be in the credits somewhere, right. um, but he, he is that his name is not on the screenplay by itself. The screenplay writes stuff for Hollywood is, is madness. <laughs> uh, whoever, whoever wrote it first, his name goes first. Right. And it really doesn't matter how many people rewrite stuff. They have to prove that it's their name is worthy of going on. They have to write a certain percentage and then they get their name added. So he didn't have his name added, but it's well known that he wrote a lot. Interesting. Um, and one of the main things that he focused on was building up the relationship between uh, Masala and Judah. And apparently the way he tells the story, what he did was to build in a backstory of uh, Judah having spurned uh, romantic advances and possibly having had an affair with Masala and in their young days. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, their uh, chemistry now that the story scene, he told, he told that story. He said that he talked about it with Weiler and he discussed it with the actor playing Masala, but they never talked about it with Charlton Heston. Wow. Wow. Interesting. I mean, mostly because they knew that he would not be comfortable playing that. Sure. Wow. Um, and so it's. So a lot of that electricity, a lot of that relationship is coming from Masala. Wow. And he's playing it, uh, according to Gore Vidal, very purposeful. Oh, my. I mean, like watching it, it uh, like I was saying, like there this seems romantic, like watching it. Yeah. And again, like William Wyler, who had directed rom-coms and apparently like they wanted their big biblical epic to feel human, which, you know, and we still see that today. They get mm -hmm. an indie director to go do a Marvel movie or a Star Wars. Sometimes you get Ryan Johnson and sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, so, <laughs> so sorry. I, I love Ryan, but like they, <laughs> Me too. they, yeah, they essentially told William Wyler, like, <laughs> Listen, 
you just make the human stuff work. We'll take care of all like the scope. Like you, mm-hmm. you, and I think the movie works for the most part in that. But the thing is, his chemistry with Masala is so palpable, and the stuff with his wife is yeah. Is, is, is the, the 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 relationship between him and oh gosh, what's her name? Esther. His relationship with Esther really had nowhere near the chemistry no. that right. he had with masala yeah and then we we got into one of the the things i really really liked in the movie is when masala and he kind of talks to judah listening audience and says being the tribune here is going to be really hard can you kind of like ask your people to maybe chill and like accept me and then later he's like hey did you think about what i said and he goes yeah like everyone knows i'm against violence i've talked to some people and most of them agreed and he goes oh some didn't He's like, no. And later he's like, okay, I want their names. I want where they are. And he goes, I'm not going to like give up my friends. And he says the line, uh, what do the lives of a few Jews mean to you? And I thought like in 2021, that really has something to say about when we don't see each other's culture, we don't see each other. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. for him to not realize. And I know that that's saying a lot, like talking about this all white <laughs> movie and we'll get into that in a second too but this oh yeah, yeah. We got that yet. yeah. <laughs> but you know i thought that there was it was really an interesting thing to say when we fail to see each other's culture we fail to see each other and i really thought that was one of the stronger if not the strongest element in the movie that wasn't like very overt and out in the open i would agree with that i think that that makes a lot of sense to when we're watching something now right made in 1959 which had a had its own context Absolutely. to everything yeah. and, and and references to uh you know occupying forces and and uh their respect for jews uh there's a whole different flavor to that that time period but when we go back and watch something from in in 2021 it's impossible for us to <laughs> to watch a movie like that yeah. and not have that moment of connection with things that are happening now uh, things that strike us differently and have whole different references and contexts in a, in a in a completely different time period. Yeah, you see what right. you bring, as they say. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I think that's something so con- conflicting watching it and noticing of like, yeah, I, I did pick up on that theme of what happens when we don't see when we don't respect each other's cultures and then <laughs> seeing the cast of the film and going you would think you would nowadays i i guess with with how vocal we are about racial conversations we notice we notice that more right and we talk about you know why it's important to have you know a cast that truly reflects the culture that's being spoken about um and and seeing it then and thinking about you know what was the history of our our nation like in 1959 what was the 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 conversations around race then and seeing like well, I know why they didn't choose it, but it still, you know, doesn't make it right. And yeah. seeing how that's a right. conflicting thing to watch is someone now in 2021 watching it and thinking like it, it, it's <laughs> it's it's hard because you're thinking I, I, I found myself thinking about it whenever that kind of came up that, you know, like it's it's a message that's important, but it, it's not as impactful as it really could be because it's not truly reflective of the people it you know should be reflective of. Sure. Sure. Right. Yeah, I agree. So Judah and Masala break up after that big argument. Then the movie kind of meanders as we get into Judah's love story. Then Judah accidentally um, harms the, the governor. And 
Masala knows that it was an accident, but he says, you know what? If I sentence my friend to a harsh fate, everyone's going to be scared of me. And then we get into, I'm, I'd be really curious. Joe, you said you did not watch the remake of Ben-Hur, right? No, good. I have not. Good. I only watched the trailer. Good, good for you. So in the movie, there's a scene. Judah is being marched to his fate where he's going to be a rower on a boat. Halfway through, right. he's exhausted. He can't go on anymore. He's not allowed to have any water as like an additional punishment. And who shows up but the Lord? Jesus shows up with some water and gives it to him, even though the Roman says no water for him. We don't ever see Jesus's face in the movie. So it's kind of it's all based on people's reactions. Jesus doesn't mm -hmm. say anything. And I think it's really, really powerful because, you know, when we think about Jesus, we think about him talking. You know, we think about him saying things. I think it's right. really powerful to think like just his presence just him you know living out his his life and his calling was such a ministry and in the and in the remake they give him dialogue like he's he goes to ben her first he stares down the guard like he's gonna take a swing at him in the movie and i was like oh that's uh, Jesus is getting tough with the Roman guard. Oh, oh, oh okay. Like, fine, sure. You know, like Jesus does. I mean, you've read the book. Yeah, yeah. Then Jesus in the remake gives him water, and Ben Hur says, "Oh, thank you." And he goes, "You do the same." And I was like, "We, no, we don't need. We just saw it. the scene. We just saw like the good scene." And oh, yeah. what did you, Joe? What did you think of this of this scene? It's so funny for a biblical epic. That's three and a half hours long to treat the appearance, the multiple appearances, and even this appearance in specific is the most subtle and and because of that powerful presence of the Lord, it really it changed the whole temperature of everything that was happening. The score changed um, and the way that the the uh, the different. Um, the people who were on the march and the 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 guard and everybody, their whole demeanor kind of changes with this presence that comes in. It was really just kind of an amazing presentation of Jesus, because what we do is what happened in the remake is like Jesus is here to take charge and, you know, give you orders and that kind of thing. It's a, I mean. Not to not to put this on it, but it's such an American way to 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 present who is supposed to be our ideal um and, and that is disappointing i agree <laughs> because yeah. that's not the that's not the jesus that's given to us in the bible yeah. so uh yeah yeah i that only makes me not want to see the sequel even or the remake even don't, worse don't sequel then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> her to, to ben to her to ben even to her. even hurrier <laughs> Ben Hurry. Ben Hurry, well, yes. Speaking as someone who's only seen that one clip of the remake, um, I'm going to make the assumption. That, um, I think what the original does do a good job of portraying is Jesus's personality yeah. of this gentleness. I think that not showing his face brings that aspect of servanthood that is reflected in Jesus's time on earth where in that, again, one scene I saw in the remake when you pulled it up for me when we were watching it. Um, just, yeah. But it's like, that, like sizing up the Roman yeah, guard he's like, too. He's yeah, not even yeah. like, he's like, was he giving him the eye? Yeah, he's, he's, he's like, like making faces at like, him. And like one of the things, sorry to cut oh, you off man. for a second. I no, love yeah. to think what kind of face is Jesus making at this officer that makes him like, for one minute, abandon 
all the rules. <laughs> you know, what is it that Jesus is doing right. that shakes this guy, you know, for long enough to for him to let Ben-Hur get some water? Right. There's something about you only see the back of him that I, I think adds that element of gentleness and, and love without actually seeing him. Because then you have to you have to think about it, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think right. for for those watching with an idea or a love for for Jesus um or even just you know some sort of idea of maybe who he was during his time on earth and of course we know who he is outside of his time on earth too but it makes you think about like who's the Jesus that I know right and I like that I like having to yeah that picturing what his face would would look like then I have mixed feelings about the next 20 <laughs> minutes of the movie because 15 Ooh. of it is people rowing boats. Oh, man. But the score. <laughs> because so funny story in the movie, if you've seen it, there's a guy with two hammers who's <clears> kind of <throat> like banging in in rhythm. The problem is he didn't have a metronome, so he's not going in perfect time. So the composer had to use like that as the metronome for the actual orchestra. Uh, but if you brutal. but if you don't know that <laughs> <laughs> the scene is people rowing a boat for 20 minutes. It is a lot of rowing. How did your how did, how did your son of, feel about a lot this? Of sweaty dudes just rowing a boat how, and you're like what is going on? How did your son feel about that? I'm very curious. I don't know. He's not necessarily that that demonstrative so he's not going to like jump up and freak out about something or even really complain too much if it was boring it it all kept his interest i think that was a part that he struggled right. um just because they're building up a lot of tension and you don't even really know why yeah. <laughs> like it's weird everything is tense yeah and the new commander comes on the boat and he's just like really really ticked off and you're not sure why he's ticked off he just kind of is and he's gonna be He's going to take it out on this Judah guy. Yep. What, you're like, okay. One of my favorite lines in the movie is there's this one guy who I guess is like acting up and he goes, this man has been giving you trouble. He's insubordinate console. That will stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is that it? And then, so I guess the, that's what he's got. That's it. I, that will stop. I guess the point of the nice. scene is to show that like Ben, Hur is like, it's just pure like revenge. That's driving him up. The movie, it's a revenge story. <laughs> he wants to get revenge against, against so. Masala for, cause Masala also, he imprisons his mother and his sister. He takes away everything that, that Prince Ben, Hur has. So it's only like the promise of maybe I'm going to get to kill you know, my former best friend. And I think that the scene is trying to show you that, but I think it's also trying to show that Ben Hur has good character because he like befriends the new like captain by being like himself and he saves his life. And as a result, he, yeah. he gets off the ship. He gets adopted into the family. Like he kind of gets everything back, but in a different context. It's not what I had, but it's still great. But I still want I still want vengeance, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I think part of it is going to be demonstrate. He kind of functions as a rallying person for the other people who are rowing. I don't know if it has something specific to do with where his position is as the rowers. He's kind of up front. Yeah. He's a model for the other people who are rowing. So he has respect from them. I guess because he was able to push so hard and keep rowing right. when all these other people were following up, falling oh. over. 
he gets the he gains the the respect of this this new commander yeah um yeah he like gets the opportunity to go into the commander's room to tell him something or something yeah and he's sleeping and he doesn't murder him and that just impresses the commander yeah, yeah, the commander's like almost upset he's like you could have killed me while i slept you there. Killed me. why didn't you you should have yeah. killed me like and he's so impressed that he didn't that he wasn't murdered yeah Okay, if that's what impresses you, that's fine. So he kind of gains the respect of all of these people. Right. And then the when it is time for them to go into battle and get up to ramming speed, yeah. um, then he doesn't he releases Judah right. from the chain. I don't I don't know why either. Sure. I it's I guess I don't really understand the physics or or whatever yeah. of good, what goes well, into what I, it takes to row I mean, one of these boats, but it seems to that enables him to do something different. In the context of being up. In the context of the movie, I know why. It's so he can get off the boat, but unfortunately well, yeah, it is it's the rest of the story. Right. <laughs> unfortunately it is like he gets unchained because plot <laughs> because plot. right yeah yeah because that's necessary right so he he gets like essentially at age 30 something he gets adopted into this man's family ben-hur loves horses also by the way listening audience uh he's good with horses <laughs> it may be one of the only things that people know from ben-hur yep. so it's that's not much of a spoiler. yeah so uh <laughs> he essentially is kind of like ready to go back home to Jerusalem and he stumbles across a sheik and now it's where the movie gets very uncomfortable. Ladies and gentlemen, Jack Hawkins won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for doing brownface. And it is not like I it's never tasteful, but he is a million percent like doing not even a character it's like look at how silly this is yeah yeah (laughs) this is this is uh, amongst the things that does not age well this is high on that list yes uh this portrayal is as you know over the top as is most of this movie uh that tied in with the the brown face um makeup and 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 the costuming and everything it is not at all a sensitive portrayal of a realistic character no and it's and it is very regrettable because he's an inciting character as he tells him you know you should race my horses because masala he races every year and i actually kind of liked the the writing of the scene i like how the character was straight up with him about like listen People die in the arena all the time. If you kill this dude, like during the race, no one's going to care. And I'm like, I like that. He's like, listen, I know you don't have pure good motives. Like, let's double down. But then again, that makes it even like a little more, a little more racist. It makes it a little more sketch. Yeah. 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 It's it's hard to, it, it, it's, it's a difficult, it's a difficult point. Yeah. It's something that's difficult to look past in 2021. Yeah. Um, but story-wise, uh, he's a very, very interesting character. Yes. Uh, far more interesting than a lot of the other characters that we've right. that have come and gone so far, or that will come later. Right. Uh, and so in that sense, this is a big piece of why he got 
an Oscar yeah. for this role. Yeah. In a in a three and a half hour biblical epic, he was able to do a portrayal that made a memorable and interesting character. It was central to the plot. Um and and these are the things that were admirable. Yeah. So Judah goes home. He wants to see he goes to Masala and like this big like, yeah, I'm back. I started playing like rock music underneath to give the scene a little more <laughs> Oh, I I can sense that Hannah was ready for the was ready for the intermission. Oh, so I was. Been ready for the I'm sorry. <laughs> well, well, you had watched a lot of rowing. Yeah, yeah, I think and I, bad romance. That's true. Um, <laughs> rowing and empty romance. Empty, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I I think maybe in some restructuring, I could see it all fit in. Maybe with yes, less rowing and and maybe shorter scenes. But it, it also seemed like, well, first I thought the rowing was a good place for the intermission once he once he was free. And then and then and then when he got adopted, I thought, surely that's a great place for the intermission. And then when he goes to see Masala, I went, surely this is the intermission. But we don't get the intermission until we find out that his mother and sister are in prison and in prison they've contracted leprosy and now they have to go live in the valley of the lepers and they say please don't tell Judah intermission. <laughs> right. I was not expecting so that. So dramatically right. connecting that back to family and everything that was important to him at the beginning right. Right. which is part of what's motivating that's what you had to get to that right. place but it just yeah yeah cuz there's so uh, many uh, uh, for a modern audience you just go okay this whole thing right. could just just shorten down it's quite um, it's quite literally like the plus and minus like of storytelling joe and i we right. teach uh online film making class and you know there's like plus points there's minus points so judah has like back to back to back plus points like whoa i'm i'm in the roman circus now whoa i'm like going to be able to race horses whoa i might be able to kill this guy who ruined my family whoa i just stuck it to him my family has leprosy <laughs> it's a pretty like yes, devastating my family blow. has leprosy that classic right. turn oh, <laughs> oh no leprosy. oh not leprosy oh, no. <laughs> absolutely yeah and that's and that's when you send uh when you okay so i do a lot of writing for the theater yeah. where you have a lot more intermissions than you do in film sure. so this is an intermission that's in a film so you're gonna have 10 minutes or 15 minutes or whatever people are going to go to the bathroom and get snickers bars or whatever mm. they're going to do you got to give them some kind of question that is going to make sure that they come back after that intermission right like you give them that thing like oh my gosh i don't know what's going to happen now he may lose his family and that's what he's been fighting for this whole time right. i get it you need something for after he wins the race right yeah because the race uh, because of the way we know the story goes right the race doesn't take doesn't happen doesn't it, it's not very long until we do the race right. now i there's a lot of a lot of movie after that <laughs> I, yes. I will say my parents have a much nicer home theater system than i do so we actually went over to their house to watch the scene nice. with the surround sound and yes. i gotta say like in 2021 y'all this chariot race scene it holds up it's one of the most impressively directed scenes i've ever seen in a movie no joke. This thing is super dope. Yeah. Even in 2021, it's only more impressive because it is so much more real. Yeah. 
apparently probably up to 90% of the actual chariot racing was done by Charlton Heston and the, wow. and the other, Boyd, his name? Yeah. I can't remember. They did their chariot racing. They shot this thing over weeks. Insane. Took weeks to shoot wow. it. Wow. Now there's some stories that somebody, that one stuntman died. Yeah in the filmmaking although that's not confirmed no. because this was in a period where you didn't confirm this <laughs> <laughs> someone died no anybody checking up on that but uh yeah the rumor is that somebody died and it would have been one of the stunts where somebody went underneath yeah the, the chariots and got stomped i will say that my son who was quiet for large portions of the movie <laughs> was into the chariot race yeah. and some yes. years ago we uh, actually you know we've we will we'll pick a movie series and try to get through all of them i gave him for christmas a, a set that was all of the fast and furious movies so we've done them and he's seen them all and this holds up he was just he was as excited for this chariot race as any of the ridiculous driving cars out of airplanes cars chasing submarines whatever madness comes up next the only thing that's left they have to go in the space what did you think of this chariot race oh it was great i think well i earlier when i was talking about kind of my um close-minded ideas of like mid 20th century to then the earlier of the later 20th century films is a lot of like, Oh, it's, it's black and white on a sound stage. And I know it's, it's, it's so sad that I <laughs> have it's limited myself to that. boats for 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I, and it's not that it's inaccurate. <laughs> right. Right. I think, I think this, you know, I, I would applaud this film for its beautiful use of colors mm -hmm. and costuming. And, and staging too, especially this this scene. I think, um, yeah, it draws you in. And watching how they had to have done this and the timing of the the people who are supposed to go out and get the chariots when you know <laughs> yeah. people are out of the race or whatever. And then and then yeah. and then it took a turn for me where it was still good, but like the I was so surprised at how the gore of it all, like you know the wounds and and. When Masala gets uh, annihilated, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I like I had to close my eyes. I was, I it was, it was like I was hurting myself. But but you know, I think it has it so good though. I feel like that has to be that intense because we're kind of on a side where we're like, yeah, get him, Ben Hur, get him, get him, and it has to be like, oh, this is, I this is hard to watch. This is terrible. Yeah. yeah. And it's still good. It's just I, and I think that's part of what makes it good is that it's so hard to watch. But you you need to see what happens. Right. Like you need to see, does he live? Does he die? You know, like. And oh, and, he, and, and yes. You know, to, to, have that, to have that showdown moment where he's really going to go up head to head against Masala. Yeah. yeah. You know, to put that in the context of this chariot race, that just the speed and intensity uh, the 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 pounding of the horses, just the 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 sound that went into that scene, the the sound mixing and editing was all yep. just yeah. really brilliant. I got to see this in and theaters. It intensified it that whole showdown between the two of them. Yeah, when I saw this in theaters like two years ago, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah, but then Masala dies, and kind of with his final like breath, he gets he gets his one little victory where he goes, "Yeah, you might have beat me." Your mother and sister, they're lepers now. So, you know, bye. Take that, Judah yeah. Ben-Hur. And then, then he dies. <laughs> and then, like, 
then the movie stalls for like 30 minutes. Judah finds out that his his family has leprosy. His wife goes, there's this guy, Jesus, who's saying we should chill out and not fight all the time. And he's like, well, yeah, well, you know what? Like now I'm an angry man and you should probably stop loving me. That's essentially what he what he says. Then we mm-hmm. we kind of get into the next moment with Jesus. Ben Hur hears that Jesus heals people. I guess no, it's it's Esther. Esther tells him like Jesus is a healer. Hannah started asking me like, "What's happening now? Like, why can't? Why is there no one in the city in this scene?" And they go to the blind guy. And he goes, "They've gone to the trial." And because we've all read our Bible, we go, "Oh, we are here now." Then we get. I'm curious, Joe, to hear your thoughts on this. Ben-Hur sees Jesus, kind of recognizes him, and decides he's going to try to give him aid in this moment and bring him some water, and it doesn't go Judah Ben-Hur's way. What did you think of that? Um, I I forget what the term is, but that coming full circle, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's... Therein lies the, uh, you know, the, the central point of this this whole this whole experience is three and a half hours of rowing and weird romance. Um, yeah. So he's gone through this experience where he's had this showdown. He's been able to defeat the person that he thought was the source of all of his pain and 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 whatever. And his it very clearly this did not help. Yeah. Uh, it did not get him one bit of anything that was going to make him happy or better in life. Uh, and so in his in his desperation at that point, he's hearing about this person. It's a major thing that's happening in town. So you go and check it out. And he thinks he recognizes this guy and he goes to get him some water. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is a, a, a change and an understanding that there's something beyond his the revenge that he's been trying to get his whole life. Right. That really ultimately gained him nothing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Then the movie ends. Jesus dies. I would say even here, there's another moment where Jesus brings the water again through the rain. Well, that's what it's I'm that's water. what I'm referring oh, to. Is that, yeah, no, no, no. It's, so okay, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was there. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So then Jesus, Jesus like is dying or he, he dies. We see, you know, the water and the blood and Tirza and Judah's mom, Miriam, <laughs> Miriam yes, they're healed of, of their leprosy and everything is good. And at the end, almost at the moment he died, I heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even then. And I felt his voice take this sword out of my hand. And, you know, I'm hesitant to say this. I think it's a powerful line. But at that point, it's like, who do you still have, like, vengeance towards? Because there's a scene in the movie that we did that we skated past where he goes like, I don't care about Rome anymore. I don't want to be a I don't want to be a Roman, even though I earned it through adoption. And they're like, OK, we'll just watch your butt. But the problem is in the remake, they don't kill Masala. They make him live after the chariot race. So when it's the sword, he goes and forgives Masala and they ride off into the sunset together. I kid you not. They ride off on horses into the sunset together. And it was so bad. 
Like most of the movie, well, I was no, like missing, unnecessary talk remake. About missing the the point of the book, yeah, and the point of the entire story, yeah. Like you've you've just you've missed everything. Yeah, yeah. Because on the one hand, I always <laughs> there's the rain. It comes down and it feeds into the de- the deserted land, and rivers run again, and right. it heals the leprosy. It 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 heals the anger that's in Judah Ben Hur's heart. Like and and all the family comes back. Right. But it had how many things? do with masala yeah you've totally missed the point of this whole thing right and i think that that's the point oh, man. that's the point of the movie like his wife even says like you're becoming like masala where you're just so like full of rage and bitter, revenge yeah. and, and bitter and it's kind of like I, you, you don't really see that i mean you kind of do but it's you know charlton heston god bless him he's 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 acting that way you're just kind of like well why sure you know and yeah, and you yeah, get yeah. it you know he thinks his parents well, are dead and it's and it's a, a big movie and it's long right. and you forget <laughs> like oh he's still mad about that that was like three years ago right. <laughs> you, you that was before you were you were a slave like right. you've got a lot of other problems that have have to have happened to you since then yeah the rev- the ben her revenge about that I, man that's just a lot of yeah being driven by anger from one thing way back. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. But, but so all in all, Joe, what did you, you said this was your first time seeing this movie. This is my first time seeing the whole thing. And I think I had only ever seen clips. I'm pretty sure I've seen the, the, uh, uh, the chariot race before, uh, at least pieces of it. I know I've seen stuff around the rowing right before, <laughs> Um, but this is the first time seeing the whole thing straight through. I did feel bad um, asking you to watch a four hour movie. I'll just say that up front. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Don't feel bad about that. I, you know, you gave me a couple of options and I signed up for this. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> well, you did give me an out. That's true. Uh, and I went for this one because I was been kind of, a, you know, kind of embarrassed that I haven't seen the whole thing. Like, why? Why haven't I seen it? Uh, it's a lot to sign up for. Right. So yeah, what did you think? Um, I'm so glad, so glad that I watched it. I see why there's so many other things that go into it and why why there are reasons to still respect this movie, even though there's a lot of there's some awkward rep- representation in there. Yeah. Uh it's a three and a half hour movie that, you know, I think uh any reasonable contemporary director would at least get this thing down to three or maybe two and a half. Yeah you don't make movies on this scale anymore. And if you do, it's all CGI and it looks awful. And there's really just no, there's no replacement for the scale of a movie like this. Right. (laughs) Uh, Hannah, what did you, what did you think of this movie? It was better than I was expecting it to be. I, I think I would agree. I think it was better than I thought it was going to be too. (laughs) It was, it was more engaging than I thought it was going to be. And I think in a lot of ways it proved me wrong and and some of just, you know, my ideas. And and I think too, there was an element of like four hours, you know, like going in and, and then you're like, okay, I can, for the most part, see how some of the time is, you know, it goes by quickly. Some scenes, maybe not, but (laughs) yeah, I would say there are things about it that are done extremely well. Um, And I think that the story overall, um, the journey that Ben-Hur takes and to think of like, you know, the true emotion that goes into that. And, you know, I I am interested in sociology. You know, I have a 
degree in social work. So this understanding of like human relationships and the social science of everything, you know, like I just, I just tear that apart and I, I dig into it. And that was something interesting to really think about. And I I did get kind of weepy during the crucifixion as well. Yeah. So it was, it was an enjoyable experience, especially because, you know, I, I made sure I watched it with someone I love and trying to be, you know, like, you know, talking to, you know, thankfully he had seen it. Many times. You wanted to talk about it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm more of a movie talker and, there are some elements of the film that I think for me, just a personal conviction of like, can I still support this film? Sure. Knowing sure. the things now that, you know, are hurtful to, you know, people of various races. It's not just one particular race in this. There's this, only three the, women in this movie. Uh, yeah. And yeah. women too. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> that's, that's a really good point. Um, or 15,000 extras just for the chariot scene alone. Yeah. My goodness. And there are only three speaking women. In My this goodness. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you <laughs> know, great. so, so now, so now what, like, how do I, how do I talk about this film knowing these things that are convicting me now, right, right. you know, just personally and, and, you know, you know what I, owe, I believe in myself. So I think that's where I find myself struggling a little bit, but there are still aspects of the film that I think are done well. Yeah. And and those are to be, you know, credited and acknowledged. Right. In lieu of using our manners with a yes, please or a no, thank you, because I think, you know, we've we've talked about what we like in the movie and what, and what we don't. I think across the board, we would say if Christian media could be like this, that we would all <laughs> want more Christian media like that. But I'm, I'm curious. And I, and I thought about this a lot. And I, I guess... Hannah, I'll go. I'll go to you first. Uh, this movie won eleven Oscars. Do you think we're ever going to see a biblical epic or a biblical film sweep like that again? I don't, and I don't know if it's necessarily because of a film itself, but because of the response of people watching it. Right. Because I think there will be. You know, if, if it's a biblical film, okay, there's people going that are going because it's biblical and they'll either, there'll be some that'll love it, there'll be some that'll hate it. And then those who aren't going for that, there'll be some who will love it and some who will hate it. And I think just now, maybe, I think it's possible, but I <laughs> I wonder, you know, also too, with the advancement of just like, I think some of the things that make this such an award-winning film film i would say probably the chariot scene of how it was actually a like a chariot race and Ooh. thinking of like now that would just be like maybe cgi and it is you know, in the remake right oh it'd be so it'd be so unsafe so it, <laughs> and so times consuming to spend three weeks shooting or yeah. five i think it was something yeah. like yeah, yeah. Something, something ridiculous like that number of weeks for that one right. scene for nine minutes right. of a three and a half hour movie yeah. right so in ways, I think, you know, maybe not. I, I know I struggle. I said no at the beginning and now I'm leaning towards, yeah, maybe not. Right. Right. Yeah. Joe, do you ever think, do you think we'll ever see a biblical film sweep at the Academy Awards like this ever again? I I don't, I doubt it. I doubt it. I would, I would have to, if I'm going to have to be on the like binary, like one, <laughs> yes, <laughs> oh, or, yes no, or no, yeah. I'm going to say no. Uh, otherwise, I just say probably not. I think with the kind of the way that films are made now and the way that films are marketed now, I think you'd be challenged to maintain the integrity of a story like this 
I think you're much more likely to come across with the uh, with the remake version because we'll take you'll take shortcuts and special effects. You'll retool things so that it really feeds off of the uh, the relationship between Judah and Masala being and and reconciling that at the end because people like happy endings. <laughs> like right. you'll just you'll get you'll get lost in a lot of that. You'll get mired down in meetings. Yeah, meetings with people who are uh not filmmakers or artists right and who are marketers and you'll you'll lose something i think the culture in 1959 especially for the american audience i I don't know i i i'm not an expert on this in any way but my assumption is there's a larger percentage of the movie going public who would view themselves as christian and would be so receptive to something that was trying to authentically present Christianity, I think you'd be so challenged to be able to garner an audience that yeah. size with something of this scale um, and to be and to expect to get this kind of critical response. You know, yeah. there's only three movies that have ever gotten this number of Oscar wins. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and and it was this by itself for a long, long time. Oh, yeah. Until Titanic, um, right? I think it was till Titanic, yeah. and I think there's one other was there there's one other that came after it and now I don't remember. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. In conclusion, folks, <laughs> if you've got four hours, why not give it a go? Do you love movies and do you love... I mean, we didn't talk enough about the acting. Really, like, this movie does live and die with its performances. For as great as everything is, the actors are all doing a good job. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. If you like that, check it out. And if not, maybe go watch The Chosen again. <laughs> Joe Frost. Do it all. Do it all. Watch all of do it. Do it all. What else are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Joe Frost. Joe Frost. Joe Frost. Yay. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you for your intellect and your intelligence. That's the same thing. Thank you so much for just um, the insight, I guess, that that you've brought to this episode. And where can people find, uh, if people want to see what you're up to, what would be the best place for people to do that? Oh, goodness. Where would they go? Uh, Well, I maintain a Facebook page as uh, for my writing material. Uh, So that's just Joseph Frost. You can find me on Facebook. I also am the artistic director of a a startup theater company, which is a wise thing to do during a pandemic. But I've got a small group of actors. We're working on doing some devised theater and creating some like really interesting visual and physical theater. Uh, So that's the Floodlight Theater Company. And again, the best place to find us there is on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Nice. We'll drop a we'll drop a link in the show notes. And if you want to see what we're up to, we are the real boys, the R E E L boys. Um, <laughs> it, you can look us up on any social media platform. If you want to talk to us a little more, uh, we have a group called the Real Lounge on Facebook where we get into a few more topics in depth. But we also would like to suggest that you go in depth and give us a nice five star rating and review. If you have the time if not we still love you but that has been our episode on ben-hur this is what i've been wanting to talk about for a long time i've been waiting for the right guest and i'm so happy that it was you joe uh, i've had a great time please have me back sometime. Oh, <laughs> thank you for joining us until next time i've been mr zach i've been miss hannah and i've been mr joe well the 
You're never 